Hello, and welcome to Spotlight On, the podcast that brings together business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts covering a range of topics. I'm Nicholas Barton, founder and CEO of the Barton Partnership. We're an award-winning executive recruitment and consulting solutions firm, providing permanent search and independent consulting services across strategy, sustainability, and M&A, data and analytics, and transformation and change. Welcome to the Barton Partnership's Women in Leadership podcast series. I am Charlotte Perret, U.S. Professional Services Lead at the Barton Partnership. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Katie McCarthy, Managing Director and Chief Innovation Officer at the Halloran Consulting Group. Could you please start by sharing a quick overview of your career journey and also what led you to become the Chief Innovation Officer at Halloran? Absolutely. So I've been in the industry now for 25 years and the path to this role has, I guess it's, it's been a, a bit of a journey that wasn't necessarily planned up front, but I love where it's landed. So when I originally started my career, I was at Mass General Hospital working in clinical research. I worked in neurology in the memory of movement disorders unit uh, as a research assistant and a research coordinator. And that was really where I fell in love with clinical research. I was there for a couple of years. And while I was there, I got to know a lot of the clinicians who were both working at biotech and pharma companies, but still seeing patients in the clinic. A lot of them had come up through the Harvard MGH program and didn't want to give up their clinic days once they had moved on to sponsor companies. So I got to know a lot of them. And one of them was Al Sandrock. And he is now the CEO at Voyager, but was at Biogen for many, many years in senior leadership roles. And he had said to me, what are you doing? Are you going to medical school? If not, you should come with me over to Biogen. And at that point, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something to improve human health. I wanted to do something, really do whatever I could to make an impact to help improve patients' lives. And And at the time, I felt like clinical research was a really good way to do that even though it was a very small piece, you know, especially the role that I was playing at that, at that time was a very small piece. I really could see and feel the impact. And anyway, he finally convinced me to go over to Biogen and to just get to know what it was like at a biotech company. And and especially one like Biogen that was growing so rapidly at the time. And I loved it. I loved the idea of working on multiple studies and programs. And so I ended up transitioning over to Biogen and their clinical group and stayed there for 12 years. I didn't stay in clinical that entire time, but as Biogen was growing, I was able to move into lots of different roles and through the organization and different functions. And it was really a fantastic way for me to understand kind of the end-to-end life cycle of clinical development. And so I spent the first half of my career at Biogen in clinical operations and clinical development, and the latter part of my career in program leadership and alliance management. And I did a, a stint in the middle where I was chief of staff to the head of medical research at the time Biogen and IDEC were merging. 
And it was a chief of staff role and also an organizational effectiveness role. That was my first entry into consulting, but I didn't really know it at the time. And then my there were a lot of changes ongoing at Biogen in the, the latter part of my career. My role was actually eliminated. And I looked externally and started looking at different opportunities. And you know, living in the Boston area, we're so fortunate that there's so many opportunities. There's so many exciting companies doing incredible things. And I was fortunate to see a lot of roles and be offered a lot of roles that that could have been great roles for me. But I felt like most of them would end up being more of the same, doing a lot of the same things that I had done at Biogen or kind of going through the life, the same life cycle as a company. And I knew I wanted something different. And so I reached out to Lori Halloran. I, I didn't know her personally, but I had seen her speak and I saw her speak at a time when I had been in an all day training and the training that I was in was about how to be your authentic self when you're presenting. And it was sort of a funny coincidence because the training was teaching me how to position my body and how to stand. And it felt so not authentic. (laughs) And then I went to see Lori speak at an event in, in Cambridge and she broke every single rule that I had just learned that day, but she was so authentic. And that just kind of resonated with me and really stayed with me. And so I remembered that when I was thinking about what I wanted to do next and reached out to her and really the rest was history. So I've been with Halloran now for 12 years. I joined as a consultant. I really wanted to use my expertise to help them really just solve them and and move their assets and programs into and through the clinic and hopefully out to patients. And I was able to do that at Halloran in so many meaningful ways. When I joined, there were less than 10 of us as full-time employees. And now we're about 125 full-time employees. So we've grown a lot through the years. And we've been able to work on some really incredible, incredible things. So when I first joined as a consultant, I kept seeing ways that we could do more to help our clients. And so I partnered closely with Lori and the executive team to really continue to increase the ways in which we were partnering with clients, really adding additional capabilities and talent to our team. And we were able to grow and evolve and really do such meaningful work for our clients. And so I continued to stay in leadership roles within the consulting team, really right up until last year. I was most recently chief development officer. And then at the beginning of this year, I moved into this chief innovation officer role, really to be a representative of Halloran and also someone who's deeply embedded in our ecosystem to ensure that we are offering the right solutions to our clients that we are really helping our companies get to where they want to go in a really meaningful way. And that we're not just delivering 
our work in the same tried and true ways that have always been successful, but are instead really thinking about where we are now, what the problems of our clients are across the industry, and how we can help them move their assets forward and help them really solve their problems in the most meaningful ways. And with that comes a lot of speaking and panels and really just much more of a focus externally than the internal focus that I've always had. Thank you for this, Katie. What a what an impressive career to date. And reflecting on that path to Chief Innovation Officer, what were some of the pivotal experiences or also challenges that shaped your approach to innovation and leadership in the life sciences consulting field? So we, as I mentioned, we work with clients at so many different stages and many have limited funding and it can be tricky to help clients see the benefits of doing things in a more innovative way, especially if their funds are tight because oftentimes people don't want to try something new or something cutting edge or innovative if they only have one chance. And it's been interesting seeing that reluctance. I think we're now on the other side of that a bit and people are starting to take that chance, but it's for me it's it's taken some time to really understand how to help people see the benefits of doing things differently. And again, I think because the life sciences have been in a bit of a downturn for the last year, year and a half, I think people are now willing to try something different, Mm -hmm. to see how they can be faster, have better quality, be more, move forward with strategies that are more closely aligned to what patients need and what patients want or what caregivers want. And I think it's that's been sort of a fun part of this tough environment that we've been in. Absolutely. And and how do you foster and, and promote that mindset of creativity and innovation within the team as well, especially in that rapidly evolving landscape of scientific consulting? Yeah. It, so it it hasn't been easy and we're still working on it. I mean, I, I definitely don't have all of the answers. I think drug development is a regulated business area. So mm. our consultants tend to be rule followers. They like their processes. They like their approaches. They know what works. They know what is expected from a health authority perspective. So I guess it's taken a little bit more of a lift than I expected to get others to come on board with Mm. some of these new methodologies, these new approaches. Fortunately, you know, FDA and other health authorities are modifying their regulations to expect that we are moving forward with new approaches. You know, there's the Modernization Act that's come out of the FDA and and there are other guidance documents that are saying we are expecting change. We're expecting sponsor companies to do things differently and, you know, being able to sort of fall back on those guidance documents and say, okay, team, we're following the rules here. We're just going to do things slightly different way has been really, really helpful as well. Yeah. And it seems certainly even more so necessary 
to remain focused on that cutting edge and innovative approach when it's specifically related to the life sciences industry. And you've also been a very active voice for women in the life sciences sector. From your perspective, how can organizations in the life sciences and consulting industry create that more inclusive and supportive environments for women? It's interesting because clinical research is filled with really successful women. I think once you move outside of clinical operations or clinical development, you know, the number of women in leadership roles starts to, you know, kind of become fewer and fewer. So within biotech and pharma, you know, a lot of the more traditional business areas tend to still have men seated at the top. There's been a lot of great progress. We have some incredible female founders and CEOs who are totally kicking butt and and breaking that ceiling, but we need more. Halloran has been involved in a lot of different efforts in having internship programs for women. We often support efforts through Life Science Cares where we're stepping in as coaches and and really helping women and science and math and and even young girls who have an interest in science and really helping to guide and advise them and and be those mentors at all stages of people's lives and i think in the workplace it's so important to pull people up and, you know, Lori Halloran has done that with us as her executive team. We have an all-female executive team, which is pretty special. It wasn't necessarily intended to be that way. Lori didn't come into this saying, I'm going to be a, a founder and CEO of Halloran and only have women sitting around my executive team table. But it shook out that way. And it's pretty special. And we know how special that is. And Lori's done just a fantastic job helping all of us who sit on her executive team really be seated around that table. And she's given us the space to step into these roles that are so meaningful. Even the role that I'm in now is very much something that Lori was doing and what Lori loves. And she knew that She wasn't going to keep going in that role forever, and she needed to sort of step aside and make room for other people to fill that space. And it's just, it's had an incredible impact on me personally. And I think for some of the other, you know, women and and men within our company who have been able to kind of lean into those roles that, that she was playing externally. Amazing. Yeah. And and how in particular do you think has mentorship played a role in your very own career, but also on your approach around mentoring young women who are just starting out in their careers? It's interesting. I mean, I, I'm working with two um, women now. One just got her master's, another just graduated from undergrad. And they both desperately want to be in life sciences and have long careers in life sciences. One is is employed, and I was actually her preceptor as she was going through grad school, which was a very impactful role for me. She's totally brilliant, and I learned so much from her. And the other, as I mentioned, just is out of undergrad and, and having a little bit of trouble in this economy, finding a new role. 
But, you know, I'm doing everything I can to connect her with different opportunities, with different people, with different training opportunities. There really are so many incredible resources through MassBio and other organizations that help support people who are trying to get a start in this career, whether you're just graduating from undergrad or whether you're graduating from high school and perhaps aren't choosing a a path of going to college right away. There are so many different training programs that are popping up that are fantastic because we need more women. We need more people from all different backgrounds in life sciences so that we can provide different perspectives and really make an impact in this work that we're doing. I mean, we're all in it to improve human health and to to help drive better outcomes for patients and their caregivers and families. And to do that, we need different perspectives. And that needs to be men and women and people who have a more traditional educational background and people who don't, people who are coming at it from perhaps a place where, you know, we're not typically looking for for people to fill roles. I'm sure you Mm. see it in in your career. I can certainly see how rewarding that is. And also exactly as you pointed out, how enriching it is for both sides and for yourself being a mentor to to others as well. And where do do you see is the greatest opportunity for growth or change in in the life sciences consulting industry over the next decade and, and particularly for women leaders? So I just wanted to go back to one thing. I I think one thing I wanted to mention is that I've had a lot of fantastic mentors in my career and not just women, right? I mean, I've had both men and women who have pulled me into different roles and pulled me up. And I think we need that in order for women to continue to grow. I think we should not be afraid to, as women, to, to look to men and women uh, to be our mentors. And I've seen a big uptick in, you know, people of of all, you know, sort of backgrounds looking to pull all sorts of people along. So I, I just, I wanted to clarify, I didn't want it to just be that I only look for women as mentors because I've, you know, as I mentioned in my story, what got me started in this career was Al Sandrock, who is still a a good mentor and a a good friend of mine. I think I'm having coffee with him in a couple of weeks. We get together every couple of months and always have over 25 years. So I think whether it's a male or a female mentor, I think people just need to really be open, not be afraid to be vulnerable in asking questions And to just take all of the information and recommendations that people provide and and think about what feels right personally for you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, certainly. I feel like for myself, I've had as well a mix of both men and women as mentors throughout my career. And yeah, I think both sides should equally equally be explored and and will be will be bringing something and being able to pull up into new roles or taking on additional responsibilities absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely so where do you see the the greatest opportunity for growth or change in the life sciences consulting industry over over the next decade 
So there are so many standard approaches that are ripe for disruption. Mm. We, Halloran has a retreat that we put on sometimes twice a year. We're moving to more of a once a year program moving forward. We call it our core conference, which stands for clinical operations retreat for executives. And that was just held in October. And there were so many different approaches that we identified as being really ripe for disruption. For example, clinical study startup, and this is going to, I'm going to get in the weeds a little bit here, but it's, uh, I think, a good example to get to the question that you just asked. There are tried and true approaches to starting up sites who are participating in a clinical trial and all of the roles and the responsibilities that a sponsor company, which is a biotech or a pharma company that's running a study, must ensure And there's a very standard approach to doing that. Every company sort of does it the same. That approach is not always efficient. We go through, you know, the same qualification and audit and selection process of different vendors and sites. And everyone's doing this and only thinking about their own study or their own program. And We know as an industry that that is not the most efficient way to do this. We could also be leaning into AI to do things a lot more efficiently, but we haven't been. And I think we saw at our core meeting a real interest in disrupting. And so Halloran and part of my role is to pull together a cross-section of people from different biotech and pharma companies to, to forge a new path, to come up with a new methodology and approach to lean into these different ways of of doing things and to then go back to your own company and say, okay, we're going to do this differently. This is how we're going to do it. And personally, for me, I love change. I love trying new things. I love shifting and evolving. And if you fail, it's no big deal. You just kind of change things up and, and try again. A lot of people aren't as comfortable doing that. So I'm happy to lead that exercise, get people comfortable with failing, with changing, with coming up with a new approach and trying again. We're going to be doing that in 2024. So stay tuned. I'll Maybe we can come, we can have another discussion and, and talk about how that's going. Absolutely. That sounds really exciting. And I think that's exactly why we need more leaders like yourself that are looking to embrace that change and that are looking for that disruptive approach. And even more so in the world, as you say, where now we're having AI, I guess, change and rumble a bit everything around us. Why not take that on and see what benefits that could add? That's right. Well, and it's, I mean, such a simple thing like translation. So in clinical Mm. research, typically, you know, you go through a translation company to take all of your study documents and then you get a certificate and it's it's sort of this very formal standard approach. Not hard, but it's just the approach that's always been followed. Those translations take several weeks to be completed, mm. whereas now you can upload a document in a closed AI because, of course, we have to be careful about the confidentiality of mm-hmm. AI, but as long as it's a closed AI system, then you can upload that document and translate 
that document in seconds to any language. So that's one small example where we were thinking that shaves several weeks off a timeline just like that. And maybe it's not a traditional approach in the the translation certificate. We have to figure out what that looks like now, but no problem. We can figure that out. We can talk to FDA or, uh, you know, our own consultants who have deep expertise in, in quality and compliance and come up with an approach that works that'll be saving us so much time and cost. Absolutely amazing. Well, I will I will keep watching this space. And as you said, maybe we'll have a follow-up conversation. I also wanted to ask finally, what advice would you give, I guess, to the next generation of women starting out in their careers or moving into brand new leadership roles? I think for me, being vulnerable was really the hardest part and something that I I really wasn't comfortable with until the last few years. Being able to get comfortable calling people in your network and saying, hey, I need help with something. I have a question. I'd love to hear your input. I'm in this situation and I don't really know what to do. I wish I was comfortable with that earlier in my career instead of being sort of too proud and pretending I've got it all and I'm I know exactly where I'm going and what I'm doing because nobody does. And everyone's has points where they're sort of stumbling trying to figure out the best way forward and you're not going to move forward in the best way possible unless you're learning and unless you're, you know, asking others and constantly kind of being open to to new ways. So I don't know if it's advice, but I just I think it's to to be to be open, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, and to really n- not pretend that you have all the answers. Amazing! Thank you so much again for your time, Katie. You're really welcome. appreciate your input, and looking forward to to staying in touch and speaking again soon. That sounds great. Thanks so much. It was nice to connect.